The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Hi, Joey. Hope the sitter didn't give me any trouble. Boy, was that a movie. Glenn Ford's the fastest man with a gun I ever saw. It was just like this. Whoops. Lost one of my guns. Well, anyway, it was just like this. Morning, London. It is Thursday, January 10, 2013. I'm Robert Vaughn. I'm Bob Metz. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now till noon. No, no, not right wing. What then? Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And welcome to the show today. Where you can call 519-661-3600 to join in on our conversation today. And I think we're going to have a very controversial show. You think? If not just from what we say, Bob, but from the clips that we've chosen to play today. And I think that uh, some people are going to be a little shocked, a little concerned, and they should be be a little upset too. (laughs) And that's what we're going to try to do today is to shake a few cages out there. So, today we're going to be talking about the Newtown Massacre gun control. Never let a uh, good tragedy go to waste. In fact, as we speak today, I believe uh, Biden in the States is introducing some legislation about this. Is he? Yeah. I'd like to see what that's all about. Mm-hmm. We'll find and, out at the end of the day. Uh, at the end, uh, past the half hour, you're going to be talking about gun culture. Mm-hmm. And we're going to wrap off the day's show with coup de col. A phrase <laughs> coined by a, a, a philosopher that we know about education and the overthrow of the government. So, let's wow. start off with never let a good tragedy go to waste, which is exactly what the Democrats and the left in the states are doing with the Newtown Massacre. And these past few weeks, we saw a resurgence in the, the typical call to place more controls on people with respect to gun ownership in the United States. And I don't like calling it gun control because it's not strictly a control of guns. It's a control of people. Any controls are controlling people. And all of this is precipitating out of the horrific massacre at Newtown. Now, when I first heard about this Newtown massacre, somebody just told me that, hey, did you hear about the massacre? 26 people killed, you know, mostly children. I I don't want to hear anymore. I can't even think about things like that. that. bummed out half of my Christmas holidays. I remember saying on the very first or second show, doing just right here at CHRW, I remember telling people how sensitive I was to issues that involved children being harmed. Uh, It just blows me away, any of those issues from, you know, the Carla Homolka thing on down. I I just... uh, As horrific as these things are, you know, Bob, I I remember that before I had children of my own, these things were somewhat more academic. I mean, sure, they're horrific, but they were some more academic. But after having kids and being a father, I am so repulsed by things like this, I don't even want to listen to them. Unfortunately, they're instructive in, the, in what you and I do as far as politics and philosophy goes, so we do deal with them. But Unfortunately um, is right. Yes. 
So, but not just right. But it seems down in the United States, uh, there's a mantra. The mantra on the left is never let a good tragedy go to waste. And this is what's going on down there. And they're milking the deaths of these children and their teachers for all it's worth. We've been inundated from many sides about the ar arguments for the possession of guns and those against. And there are calls to ban so-called assault weapons, ban certain magazines or clips, ban handguns, control where and when guns can be purchased, etc., etc., etc. We've all been through this before, especially here in Canada. Now, all of the arguments for and against gun ownership, I believe, are irrelevant to the discussion of the root issue and that is the right of self-defense. And once we understand that particular natural right, I think that everything else falls into place and the discussion is over. It seems absolutely ludicrous to me to be discussing guns in a clear-cut case of a lunatic bent on destruction. You know, I had a look at all of the school massacres perpetrated over the centuries and found some startling, yet, I'll say it again, irrelevant, facts. First of all, there have been hundreds of school massacres, many much more horrific than the one at Newtown, if you can believe that. Take, for example, the Bath School Massacre in 1927 in Michigan, where 38 people, mostly children, were deliberately killed by a single man using dynamite and other explosives. Wow. All which were obtained legally and can still be obtained legally to this day. He was a farmer and he just went out and he bought some dynamite one day from one store and planned this over many, many months. Said he was getting rid of some stumps and went out and bought some more dynamite from... He had a whole cache, mm -hmm. cache of um, uh, explosives which um, he planted under the school. And he went out, he burnt down his farm, he killed his wife, he went to the school, blew up the school, and then blew up himself and the superintendent of education and other people and more children. Always oh, seems to end with a suicide, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but it, that's a horrific thing. And that was a hundred years ago. So, not news. These things aren't news. They just happen all of the time. When you live with seven billion people on the planet, awful things are going to happen all the time. Now, every conceivable weapon has Which, been used. Which, by the way, that argument, all things, awful things are going to happen all the time, speaks exactly to a reason we should be allowed to defend ourselves. Uh, yes. Gun, right? Yes, indeed. Because that's accepting reality. And if you look at all of those... Um, all of those hor horrendous and heinous acts against school kids. Every conceivable weapon has been used to murder children in schools. From the tomahawk, used by four aboriginals to kill ten children in a school in Pennsylvania in 1764, to a flamethrower converted from an insecticide sprayer used to, and this is a little graphics and I apologize, used a torch. Eleven children in a German school in 1964. You would think you're a flamethrower, you think, oh, probably World War II or something like that. No, this is a guy who was bent on killing people and just converted an insecticide sprayer into a flamethrower. Yep, if you want to do it, you're going to do it. You're, that's exactly my point. There have been, there have been several killings invo uh, involving knives, it's mostly in China, bombs, arson, guns, rifles, machine guns, a mace, a lance... And one desperate Chinese man actually threw six children out of a school window, killing one of them before he was stopped, as he was about to toss a seventh out the window. There seems to be no end to the carnage perpetrated over hundreds of years, killing hundreds of children by almost every means imaginable. Gruesome stuff. These atrocities are not localized in the U.S. either. 
Indeed, you only have to remember the horrific shooting of children in Dunblane, Scotland in 1996 to know that it can happen anywhere, regardless of how strictly controlled the ownerships of gun is. In that case, a legally owned 357 Magnum and two 9mm pistols were used with hollow point ammunition. And this is a country, the UK, which has some of the, stru- the greatest restrictions on firearms in the world, and to this day still has about three and a half times the amount of violent crime per capita than, than does the United States. What we often don't hear about are the many incidences where gunmen are stopped before they can inflict much damage by either security officials or private citizens carrying guns that use them to stop the gunman in his tracks. And these events occur quite often and aren't newsworthy for obvious reasons than uh, a school massacre. You're not going to hear about them very often. They happen all the time. I would think they would be more newsworthy than anything else that was going on. Uh, well, you've got to put yourself in the mindset of a, of a news anchor. I mean, when 26 children get killed, that's news. Well, isn't the guy who stopped the killing kind of newsworthy? He's a hero. Why not talk about him? Yeah, you'd think, eh? We but, talk about uh, a guy who's mentally deranged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know... I was surprised at how how often that happened. It was brought up on our show a couple of weeks ago with Kathy Shadle and Mary Lou, mm. who said it's a fairly routine thing that they don't report on the people who have, uh, you know, saved somebody in a mm. massacre situation. Uh, most disturbing in the aftermath of the tragedy was the statement from Wayne Lapierre of the National Rifle Association. Um, now, while Mr. LaPierre had some very valid points to make in his statement on December 21st, he concluded by condemning violent games, movies, media, music videos, pornography, and corporate America. In other words, Mr. LaPierre seems his right to bear arms, as outlined in the Second Amendment, is sacrosanct, but not the right of free speech or commerce. Interesting that uh, drugs... Um, alcohol, uh, <laughs> prescription drugs, anything else wasn't mentioned in that, eh? Yes, or, games. The, or mm. the psychiatric um, yeah. evaluation of that particular kid. But really, I have little time for throwing stats and anecdotes about massacres or near massacres when, it, when what's at stake here is the right of an individual to defend himself. That is the real issue to me, and when it comes to rights, statistics to me are irrelevant. Stories are irrelevant. Even the so-called greater good arguments are irrelevant. What we need is a clear understanding of what a right is and what it is not. And I'll start off by saying that we don't have a right to bear arms because the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution says we do, even though we're Canadian here. Glad you noted that. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, we, that would be interesting if we could. everyone in the world, has a right to defend themselves by whatever means necessary. We have a right to buy, own, and carry whatever weapon is necessary to defend ourselves should the need arise. This right is not there because some government says it is, and says it is a right we all share, but it's a right we all share by virtue of being rational, living individuals. It's a natural right arising from our nature. It's not a grant from a president or a congress or a parliament. It's not given to us. We're born with it. We're born with the natural right to defend ourselves by whatever means possible. And when it comes to natural rights, governments can do one of two things regarding them. They can either protect those rights or they can violate them. And a proper government will protect them. An improper government will violate them. And it has to be noted that if they're not doing the former, then they are doing the latter. Yes. 
Yeah. In fact, a government which violates our natural rights shouldn't even be called a government. It should be called a gang of thugs because they're violating our rights. And they do it every day in this country, in every country. There's a common misconception amongst most of us that rights which are not codified in legal documents, rights which are not written down, enumerated, and listed, rights which are not granted us by government aren't rights at all. And I believe this has come from, at least in the United States, by the original enumeration of some rights in the Declaration of Independence, and then again in the Ten Amendments to the U.S. Constitution called the Bill of Rights. But I don't blame Thomas Jefferson, nor do I blame the framers of the Bill of Rights. These gentlemen knew full well that the enumeration of rights might be falsely construed as a limitation of rights to those enumerated. And I'll get into this a little bit more after we have a bit of a break. Okay. See all the police outside? We must have a jumper. I hope it isn't Paul. Denny, you know what's going on? Why are you women in my office? You really don't realize what's happening? I think I do. Let's take off our clothes. A man has a gun trained on Ellen Shore out there. That's why the police are here. Out there? He's threatening to kill him. Why didn't anybody come and get me? All right, then. Are you mad? Mr. Ben, I really don't think that's a good idea. It's a fantastic idea. Denny, the police are already here. Yes, I can see they got everything under control. Sir, we just want to have a conversation. If that phone even rings, I'll shoot! Do you hear me? Tara, when I say open, you open that door. I suddenly will not. I'm an ex-Marine. I was a trained sniper. Or was it a pilot? Mr. Flores. Don't use my name! Put that gun down. You'll get everybody killed. Mainly a skeet shooter now. So when I yell, pull, that'll be your cue to yank open the door. You are mad. Don't be to kill us. Sir, pick up the phone. Don't make it ring. I'm warning you. I'll shoot. Do you hear me? Pull! Move it! Got one now. Got him. Get that weapon. Is he, is he gonna live? Took a hit to the shoulder. He'll be fine. Tom DeLay is a friend of mine. He advised me to keep a rifle in the office. My question is, did it appear the suspect was about to shoot Mr. Shore when you decided to take him out? No, why the hell would I wait for that? shooting together? I do. I barely remember you hitting a single skate. I'm a game player. This afternoon, did you consider that you might hit me? I did. It's a good feeling, you know, to shoot a bad guy. 
really something you Democrats would never understand. Americans, we're homesteaders. We want a safe home. Keep the money we make. And shoot bad guys. And save the life of someone you love. Roland natural rights to self-defense and the question I'm posing is does listing these rights in law mean that we don't have any others that are not listed here's what the Declaration of Independence has to say we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness now when Jefferson said among these he was making it quite clear that people have natural rights beyond the scope of the government to list. Likewise, while great attention is paid to the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which reads, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, there are few among us who can tell you what the Ninth Amendment says, and I'm going to throw that out to you, Bob. What's the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution? Couldn't, of couldn't give you a clue. Can no. you tell you the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth? <laughs> <laughs> well, the ninth... Not off the top of my head. The ninth says this, and I think it's perhaps one of the most important amendments to the Constitution, and it reads, The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So, the intellects at the time knew that we had natural rights and went to great lengths to let the government know it, even by putting it in writing in the Constitution. People have rights, and listing them here in this Constitution doesn't mean that they don't have others. And all rights stem from a basic right to life. As individual living beings, we have a natural right to that life. All rights are rights to action. They exist in the context of a society of men, i.e., rights are political and moral concepts. To speak of the rights of a man alone on an island is an absurdity. Only in the company of other men does the concept of rights have a place, because it is a concept which involves knowing the limits of your behavior with respect of your life in the company of others who possess the same rights. Now, there are many I know out there who would uh, like to put property rights written into our own constitution here in Canada, when in fact we already have such a right, as I've been saying. It is a corollary of our right to our life that we have a natural right to accumulate the benefits of our labor, including buying things and land and holding them. In common law, such a, a right has been respected millions of times over and over in case after case. The danger of enumerating such a right in the Constitution is that there are those who will pick the wording apart to find loopholes to deny us even that natural right, just as they're trying to do with the Second Amendment in the U.S. Bill of Rights. They are redefining the word militia. They are questioning the use of the comma separating the couple, two clauses. They are examining what the words to bear mean in the context of open carry or concealed carry. That's the danger of enumerating rights. They'll be picked apart by people on the left who will try to deny you those rights all the time. Natural rights should need no enumeration. Uh, sorry, enumeration. They need to be understood. That's what they need to be. They need to be understood properly by all and need to be 
thought of as individual rights, not collective rights. We need to understand that they are ours by right of being living, rational beings who need to act in order to survive, who need to acquire property in order to live, who need to defend ourselves from those who try to do us harm. It's with such an understanding that you must come to the conclusion that we all have a natural right to carry a weapon, should we choose to. We all, Americans, Canadians, Chinese, Japanese, Europeans, everyone, has a natural right to own a gun if we thought it necessary and to use it to kill someone if we thought that they were going to kill us or our family. The only limitation on a natural right is the natural right of another person. For example, <coughs> while, while, while we all have a right to carry a concealed weapon, we don't have a right to carry such a weapon necessarily, on someone else's private property if they told us not to. Today, there is no government, gang of thugs, in the world which respects our natural rights to the extent they should be. Here in Canada, we have a natural right to buy, own, conceal, and carry a revolver, and yet our government, gang of thugs, violates that right by having its police force, gang of thugs, arrest us for exercising that right. And then won't even defend us. And then won't defend us. As we're seeing now. Oh, especially with the OPP yep. joining protests that, that and blocking so, bridges. That, that is so obscene. Uh, we are in, we're entering the age of anarchy. And if you <laughs> saw Gary McHale on um, Byline with Brian Lilly the other night, they showed video of the police in Caledonia helping natives to set up barricades to prevent homeowners from getting to their property. The OPP were helping them set it up. What needs to be noted is that was in total opposition to the court order. Exactly. And the police are defying the law. The police are defying the, the judges. We live... It's like the Roman friends, army. In a, ...in a lawless society. Yeah, it's like the Roman army protesting against the Senate in That's Rome. right. You know, it's the same issue. Many in my generation and before have grown up with a healthy attitude towards these objects, guns. Canadian and American culture is, is replete with positive images of the use of guns in defending people from bad guys, like... Uh, who, uh, the, the clip at the beginning. Dennis, uh, Dennis the Menace. The menace yeah. Sorry, yes. Dennis the Menace. Kapow, kapow, Glenn Ford against the Indians. <laughs> you know, I've had experience in the cadets and the militia, which is now called the reserves, with all kinds of weapons, from pistols to submachine guns to 50 cals to uh, grenades. I've, to I've tossed grenades, anti-tank rockets, even mortars. I've used them all. As a high school student, we used to have a shooting range on the weekends in our school library. <laughs> We'd push the tables aside, put the targets up at the top, and then shoot. The weapons were stored in the school as part of the cadet program. There was no hysteria about it. Weapons were a fact of life, and it's only today's statists who are trying to cash in on tragedies like Newtown to disarm a public who have a right to own weapons. It's a mistake to think that guns as objects have no use other than hunting, collecting, or target practice. These activities are ancillary uses of a weapon designed to kill people. To kill people in self-defense, as is our natural right. The debate on gun control is cheapened by talk of hunting, registration, collecting, or target practice. It has to be about rights. The right to defend your life. We have that right, and so for me, and those who agree with me, the debate is over. All that's left to do is to demand that the government respect and protect that right. And we're about to hear from a woman in Texas, Dr. Susan Gratia, who was testifying to a gun committee there. And basically, she says it all in a very 
chilling testimony. Make sure that you understand I'm not here representing the NRA. I'm not even a member. Okay? I didn't grow up in a house with guns. I don't hunt. I personally abhor hunting. But I was given a gun by a friend when I was 21 to carry in my purse for self-defense, and I was taught how to use it. A couple of years ago, my parents and I went to a cafeteria in Texas on a bright, sunny day. We weren't in a dark alley where we weren't supposed to be. And as you all know the story, this madman drove his truck through the window, and he began shooting. Well, immediately, my father and I got down on the floor and put the table up in front of us. And this guy kept shooting. And you're thinking, what, you know, what could it be? Is it, is it a robbery? That's the first thing that generally comes to mind. And he keeps shooting. It took me a good 45 seconds to realize that this man wasn't there to commit a robbery. He wasn't there for a hit. He was there to simply shoot as many people as he possibly could. Now, I'd like to make something clear. I hear all this talk about how many bullets can go in a clip. I've been there. I can tell you it doesn't matter. It takes one second to switch out a clip. You can have one bullet or a hundred bullets. It doesn't matter, guys. I've been there. He goes, dump, dump. Just like that. That's not enough time to rush a man. I promise you. When I finally realized what was occurring, I thought, I got him. And I reached for my purse. He was maybe 12 feet away. You know, is it possible my gun could have jammed? Sure. Is it possible I could have missed? Sure. But I can tell you I've hit much smaller targets at much greater distances. But then I realized that a couple of months earlier I had made the stupidest decision of my life. I took my gun out of my purse and left it in my car. Because as you well know, in the state of Texas, it's sometimes a felony offense to carry a gun in your purse. I can tell you that I'm not mad at the guy that did this. As he continued, it was obvious that he was a madman. My father at that point said, I'm gonna, I, I've got to do something, I've got to do something. He's going to kill everybody in here, and he rushed the man. No way. This guy turned, shot him in the chest. He went down, uh, was obviously mortally wounded. For whatever reason, that made the man change directions and go off to my left. Shortly thereafter, someone at the back of the restaurant broke out a window. When I saw what looked like an opportunity to escape, I turned around and I grabbed my mother by the shirt and I said, come on, come on, we've got to run, we've got to get out of here. And then my feet grew wings and I was out the back window. As soon as I got out, I realized that my mother had not followed me out. And as I learned from the police officers, she had crawled over to where my father was and cradled him until the guy got back around her, put the gun to her head. She looked up at him, put her head down, and he pulled the trigger. My parents had just had their 47th wedding anniversary. She wasn't going anywhere. As I mentioned, I'm not really mad at the guy that did this, and I'm certainly not mad at the guns that did this. They didn't walk in there by themselves and pull their own triggers. The guy that did it was a, a, a lunatic. That's like being mad at a, a rabid dog. I'm mad at my legislators for legislating me out of the right to protect myself and my family. I would much rather be sitting in jail with a felony offense on my head and have my parents alive. As far as these so-called assault weapons, you say that they don't have any 
defense use. You tell that to the guy that I saw on a videotape of the L.A. riots, standing up on his rooftop, protecting his property and his life from an entire mob with one of these so-called assault weapons. Tell me that he didn't have a legitimate self-defense use. Just one final statement. I'm, I've been sitting here getting more and more fed up with all of this talk about these pieces of machinery having no legitimate sporting purpose, no legitimate hunting purpose. People, that is not the point of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not about duck hunting. And I know I'm not going to make very many friends saying this, but it's about our right, all of our right, to be able to protect ourselves from all of you guys up there. the deal. But it's not, it's not this, is it? What? This you respect? Hey, Mr. Scott, tell me, why'd you get quiet for this? Because that could kill me. Because that can kill you. See? We respect that. And we like seeing people get popped, don't we? My favorite movie, The Godfather. Even the good guys go around shooting each other in the head. Same thing with The Sopranos. Hey, Tony, yeah? Pop. That's entertainment. It brings us pleasure. Even the word gun. That's got a pretty good sound to it, doesn't it? I mean, phonetically, it sounds tight. You know? Gun. Pop. Boom! Dead. Best word's got one syllable. That's it, I think. And it works out well for most of you because that's about all you guys can spell. I'll tell you what. Let's sound it out. Everybody say gun. All together. Gun. gun. That's it? That's respect? Come on, this thing can kill. I want you to really scream it out now. That sucks. This is a weapon, for God's sakes. It'll blow your brains from here to there. Now scream it out now. Gun. Gun. Like you mean it. You see somebody packing at a 7-Eleven, what do you do? Yell it. Gun. Gun. Again, damn it. Over and over until I tell you to stop. Gun. 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 these things great? He can use them to kill a fellow classmate. He can even shoot a teacher. You guys really know what to respect. I want you to stay on the ground until I tell you to get up. 
Class dismissed. Wow. Powerful clip, Bob. I was on the floor myself after first seeing that scene from uh, Boston Public in its very first episode. I have to imagine public education has changed a lot since I was in high school. <laughs> you, know, you and me both. <clears throat> By the way, at the end of that scene... You should note that the teacher did not leave the room, as might be suggested by the sound of the door closing there in, in our audio excerpt. No, he just calmly walked over to the door, closed it, sat down at his desk in front of the class, where discipline finally reigned after an absence that terrorized all the teachers at Boston Public. It was interesting, you know, how th this was a good teacher, by the way, and the school defends him. We'll hear a little bit of the follow-up later on. But... He was dealing with a very troubled class, the, 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 a class that was scary to all the other teachers. They didn't want to go in there, and he didn't know how he was going to handle his class that day. And this is what he ended up doing, right? But it was, what was interesting about the kids in the school there was that they obviously didn't respect the teacher. He was trying to get their respect. And he says, this is what you respect? The gun, right? And it was interesting that at the base of that value of respect and the way he was approaching it, it, the students were respecting something that brings death, not life. And they disrespected what bring, brought life, their education, what they should know, knowledge, the dignity of being in a school, all right? That's part of the problem of the whole public school system in the first place. Interesting, he says, you know, the best words have one syllable, which works out really well for you guys because you guys <laughs> can't spell, right? <laughs> well, unfortunately, the people who are want to get rid of guns, also work on one-syllable words, and that word is ban. <laughs> yes, yeah. And they are no different in many ways than the people who, 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 who worship guns. And it seems to me there's... there's I, I, I'm not sure if I want to call them camps, because they're not quite opposites in a sense, but they often appear to be on opposite sides of the gun issue, and in fact, I think they're on, they have the same perspective, if not on the same side. Um... On the one side, you see the people who religiously want to ban guns. And religion is precisely the proper word to use with regard to this, because their belief is not matching reality, if, if what they really want to do is make the world safer. On the other side, you have this so-called thing called gun culture, which I think is a very badly used term. I think it's misapplied as an anti-concept when it's applied to a complete society. Perhaps you could say there's a gun culture within the gun community, that trains its own people how to responsibly handle a gun. I might call that a gun culture. In fact, that's the only thing I could call a gun culture as such. All the rest are different cultures that happen to use guns. A drug culture, uh, a protest culture, whatever. But calling them gun cultures I don't think is the point. But boy, does everybody ever want to get rid of the gun culture? National Post Tasha Kirden on December 20th writes, taking on the gun culture. For some, guns represent freedom and the right to challenge an authoritarian state through force if necessary. Lasting change will not come from government-imposed bans, but from a cultural shift and a rejection of guns as a symbol of liberty. Can you imagine? We have to reject guns as a symbol of liberty. It will come from reducing the glorification of violence in all forms, not just that of firearms. Of course, that's not what they mean. When they mean all forms, they mean violence, whether you're defending yourself or offending. There's no difference made. To them, it's an object. Yep. They don't see the purpose. They don't that's see rights. They're very concrete-bound people. That's the whole point that, that I'm getting. The whole thing is about objects. They're, they're completely involved with objects, and they can't get into the behavior aspects. Same with the drugs. Yeah ban the drugs, not behavior. They don't care about behavior. Exactly. It's, oh, the object. Canadians just don't get the gun culture, says Greg Van Morsel in the Free Press on the 8th of this month. 
And he predicted that guns will never leave the American social scene, quote, because in a nation with more guns and people, firearms... Firearms and the constitutional right to bear them are tied up with history, hunting, business, the American self-image, and self-defense in a land with a mercenary underbelly. You know, I read that article, yeah. and Greg Van Morsel is out of touch with Canadian culture. I th- I that, was... that could have described Canadian culture 60 years, 50, yeah. 40 years ago. He says you quickly become desensitized to guns if you live on the other side of the border. But if, no, those of us over here, we're sensitive to guns. <laughs> us Canadians, we're real sensitive. And the liberals are, maybe. You know, by the way, that whole sensitivity issue is, is, is a dramatic one. When people want you to be sensitive to something, that's because they want you to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I was never afraid around people with guns. Never occurred to me. Never owned a gun. I respect them. No. <laughs> you know? There was a gun in our house. Here's a fellow. There's a gun in our uncle's houses. <laughs> Letter to the Ed National Post. A fellow named Ron, December 24th, says, I've been writing letters urging tighter gun control for the past 20 years. The good guy versus the bad guy with a gun argument just doesn't hold, he asserts with no evidence, no logic. I would rather confine guns and confine people who seem unstable. Is that bizarre? He wants unstable people. Well, he got his wish, because according to Albert Schumacher of Windsor, Ontario, who wrote in a letter to the editor, National Post, December 24th, who related, quote, to my experience as a doctor in Ontario in the 80s, we were able to commit people often right out of the emergency room as a danger to themselves or society. This policy was radically changed by Bob Ray's government in the early 90s, which handcuffed the practitioners while simultaneously emptying and closing the province's psychiatric facilities. The result is that the province is now a more dangerous place. So that letter writer already has his wish. (laughs) Here's one. Lloyd Atkins, Vernon, B.C., National Post. Death and violence have always fascinated humans. Pop culture has become obsessed with violent acts. Within the American psyche, the gun has become intertwined with those inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When an American is overwrought from unbearable stress or mental illness, the threshold for acting out violently has been significantly lowered by a pervasive gun-worshipping culture. Sheer nonsense, this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one. Charles Krauthammer in Washington National Post. Now, this is a writer who apparently could care less about liberty or freedom, as he expresses, and even less about safety, given his statements. Quote, I have no problem in principle with gun control. I supported an assault weapons ban in 1994. The problem was it didn't work. (laughs) The reason is simple. Unless you're prepared to confiscate all existing firearms, disarm the citizenry, and repeal the Second Amendment, it's almost impossible to craft a law that will be effective. If we're serious about curtailing future Columbines and Newtowns, everything, guns, commitment, culture, must be on the table. Did you hear what he said? Which he means controlled by the state. Repeal the Second Amendment as if taking away... An amendment from the Constitution it takes away a right. Well, listen to this. That, point, that goes to what I was saying in exactly. the first half hour. He says that's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of impingement, a lot of amendments, but there's no free lunch. Increasing public safety always, almost always, means restricting liberties. We made that trade after 9/11. How much are we prepared to trade away after Newtown? 9/11, another tragedy uh, yeah, that didn't go to waste for the liberals. There you go. And it's all state control. It's amazing what they're calling for. These people are monsters. Oh, yes. They are monsters. And here's one fellow, Brian Moore, who's on the right side of the issue. Having traveled the world on business over the last 30 years, I've witnessed for myself what happens when government seeks to control the guns in civilian hands. It might be cliche to say, but they are the tools of freedom. George Jonas, 
December 28th writes, don't blame the NRA, blame Clinton, who, who apparently proposed putting armed guards in public schools. I consider the armed presence of, state, of the state in schools and other institutions of, every, of everyday cultural, commercial, or business activity undesirable, even uncivilized, he writes. And I say bravo to that. And, and this is interesting, Robert. Jonas writes, my ideal from this point of view is England as it once was when citizens often carried guns, but the police did not. For this, however, we need a state that views itself as servants of its citizens, not their master. Forget guns. We need a state that doesn't feel entitled to tell private citizens they cannot even buy body armor. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's right? another issue. You can't defend yourself. You it's not defend about yourself. the guns. Yeah. That's right. Now, from what we know of the Newton killings, there was no evil act committed there, merely the actions of an individual incapable of discerning good from evil due to conditions beyond his control. The guy shooting the gun, he was obviously out of it. Mm -hmm. No, the real evil is the act being contemplated by Obama and all the people looking towards the gun as being the problem and toward prohi prohibition of the gun as some kind of solution. I have yet to find an exception to the following rule. Those who favor gun prohibition are completely detached from reality. And this detachment from reality is not unlike the detachment from reality suffered by the sniper who shot all the victims at the school. The first encourages the second. You know, pacifists provoke predators, as George Jonas recently wrote in another article on bullying. The argument that if there are no guns, there will be no gun deaths is logical, but completely detached from reality. If there were no cars, we'd have no traffic deaths. If there were no food, you'd have no food poisoning. If there were no water, we'd have no drownings. What else would, would you not have if you didn't have food and water? Life. All right, so you can get rid of the danger. But do you really think you want to live in a world without cars, food, water, or even guns? Cultures who trade freedom for security always lose both, or never have either. Cultures who trade security for freedom always gain, gain both, and that is the reality. That's reality talking. So even if you could theoretically ban all guns from the face of the planet, by tomorrow there would be all kinds of guns and weapons invented out of the necessity of survival. Whether against nature, or whether against other people, especially the gun banners, because gun banners never stop banning at just guns. They be, after they ban the guns, they ban trade. They ban speech. They monopolize business. They monopolize labor. They monopolize the marketplace in general. And guess what? They do that all with guns. <laughs> yes. Right? So there's no escaping this reality. And that's why freedom and guns are inextricably intertwined, not because somebody says so, because reality dictates it. And if it wasn't a gun, it would be the, the most sophisticated weapon of our day. It's which an absolute at one day, necessity. It's a necessity, because there are always evil people. And there are always the people who want to tell other people what to do. Always. So banning objects is a futile and ignorant gesture. It's superficial. It's linear. It's two-dimensional non-thinking. By focusing on the object, they deflect from the behavior. And behavior is the only proper subject of government regulation. And so long as an individual's behavior is peaceful and consensual, the state has no right whatever to ban any object from being in the possession of that individual, whether a drug, whether a book, or whether a gun. When an individual has a lawful or natural right to something, it means he has the right to use force in the protection or ownership of that something. That's all it can mean. 
In fact, to keep things peaceful and consensual, we need guns. That's my statement for today on that issue, Robert. Powerful, Bob. Anyways, let's continue with what we just heard from Boston Public and see how that semi-resolves itself in the public school system. We'll be back after this. In this day, when students shoot teachers and classmates... That's one of the points I was trying to... point is lost, Mr. Senate. As will you be if you defend yourself another second. This is the most grossly irresponsible act ever committed by any teacher under my regime. So much as bring a weapon into this building for show and tell, you will be fired. You know, for somebody who professes to love teaching, you seem to have a career death wish, Mr. Senate. I don't know what's stopping me from making that wish come true. If you let me be the gun contained blanks only. Mr. Senate used the gun in a context that disabused firearms, much like prison officials with a scared straight program. The school does not condone Mr. Senate's actions. He's a zealous teacher who is overzealous on occasion. This is one such occasion, and he will be dealt with. What are you going to do? Thank you. I haven't addressed education as you in particular, but I, I don't really think there's anything particularly specific about education in terms of freedom and equality and tolerance today. Um, it takes a different form, a different formation, because young people are concerned. And of course, we have in the, uh, in the teachers' unions, the teachers' unions are the main obstacle. In fact, there's, there's only one solution to education, that, to get rid of it. What I mean by that is the, the only solution to the problems of public education is to scrap public education. Uh, let's not pretend about financing and funding and special rights. Just get rid of public education now. Get rid of it all. And thank you. Uh, there are wonderful teachers out there. There are wonderful principals out there. That's not the point. They'll still be needed. Uh, we must liberate the tax dollars and give them back to parents and let the children decide, let the parents decide where the kids are to be educated. And that was Michael Corrin speaking to a, a group of Freedom Party supporters in Toronto on October 27th, calling for the abolition of the public school system, a sentiment I agree with completely. Imagine there's one or two parents today thinking that way because of what the teachers and the unions are doing. Especially today and tomorrow because the uh, two school teachers are going out on a uh, protest march when they could have actually held it next Friday because there's a PD day next Friday, but no, they have to go out today, of course, because for them, they don't give a rat's patootie about <laughs> parents or kids or education for the teachers in the public school system, in my opinion. Well, don't you know it's... It's, it's all about money. Well, no, that, that's not what they're saying. They're saying it's about democracy. <laughs> they can say all they like. If it's about democracy, 
Premier Dalton McGuinty was democratically elected. Bingo, thank you. What they're doing is totally not about democracy. No. It's totally anti-democracy in every sense, and any teacher who even calls it democracy should be fired as a teacher because he doesn't even know what the system he's in. And just a reminder out there, I was a public school trustee for six years. I saw the system from the inside out, and it's rotten to the core, corrupt, um, and it should just be abolished, as simple as that. Turned to wine years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Turned to vinegar years ago. That's all they do is wine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, to round out this show, we're going to be just talking about education. And by the way, you know how when everybody talks about education, even Michael Corrin did it when he gave his speech there, he always has to, and the people always have to throw in, oh, but don't get me wrong, there are good teachers out there, there are good principals, and all that. I'm fed up with that. I'm not going to say that anymore. While there may be, I don't care. That's irrelevant to the issue of public education. The system has to go. Well, the only reason it's said is to make clear that you're not Attacking individual. an individual. And I think that's true of doctors and nurses when, when you go after the health care system. It shouldn't have to be said. It shouldn't People have to be said, that. but that's, that's how the left will retort. They'll yeah. say, oh, you hate teachers. Oh, you hate doctors. Oh, you hate whatever is being done. Yeah. For, in Teacher fact, bashing. Frederick Bastiat spoke Teacher to that Teacher bashing was the word ago. people use. Yeah, well, yeah. give me a break. The inability of the majority of Canada and America's intelligentsia if there is such a thing left in this world, and the principles involved in the debate about guns, which we were just talking about, is due primarily, I believe, to the dumbing down of our two nations by the state's public education system. Kathy Shadel, who appeared as a guest our host on our show in November, along with Mary Ambrosio. Uh, it was no, December. It was no, December. Oh, yeah, December yeah. 6th, right, the... Um, Polytechnical School uh, anniversary. That's correct. In an article in uh, Tacky's magazine on Christmas Day, called for the banning of schools, not guns, as a response to the liberal effort to disarm Americans. Part of her argument is that the more the leftist social engineers try to dumb down students, in the more, the more the students hate school and see it for what it is—a Marxist indoctrination machine. As Kathy says, "quote." Abolishing the public education system has no downside. A few million obese, incompetent, corrupt, (laughs) vicious teachers and parasitical bureaucrats will finally be fired. Unquote. Amen. I agree. There is no downside to the abolishment of the public education system. Public school has become a place where the state takes the formative minds of young children and molds them into accepting leftist doctrine tacitly, without question. Michael Moore videos have been seen more times by students in public schools than any play by Shakespeare. Fifth grade children are taught about higher complex political concept, uh, concepts like pollution, environmentalism, sexism, racism, the imagined evils of capitalism, so-called social justice, a non-concept, by the way, egalitarianism and altruism, rather than being taught how to think for themselves, how to read, how to write, how to learn. The indoctrination is not as blatant as the repetition of Michael Moore videos. It's a slow process. It's an insidious process, and it's subtle. It lies inside math questions which might ask, If a greedy banker charges a single gay mother interest charges of 20% on her credit card for a $100 purchase of unhealthy genetically modified (laughs) foods, how much money will she be forced to pay the greedy capitalist banker at the end of the year? Okay, I made that one up. But it's not far from the truth. 
It really isn't. You have to look at the textbook. No, you see I've this. I, I, I thought it was a literal one. I didn't know you made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, some of them are worse because they have entire curricula devoted to those topics. Dr. Leonard Peikoff of the Ayn Rand Institute wrote in The Ominous Parallels, a book, by the way, I would urge everybody to read. Quote, the process of spreading a philosophy by means of free discussion among thinking adults is long and complex. From Plato to the present, it's been the dream of social planners to circumvent this process and, instead, to inject a controversial ideology directly into the plastic, unformed minds of children by means of seizing a con country's education system and turning it into a vehicle for indoctrination. In this way, one may capture an entire generation without intellectual resistance in a single coup d'école, unquote. And of course, coup d'école, Dr. Leonard Peikoff coined to describe such an event, an overthrow, a coup, of the government by using the education system. And that's exactly what we have today, folks an absolute overthrow and uh, some of the people out there who are my generation bob's generation and older can see today reflected on their past and say what happened we don't live in the same country and i'm not talking about the technology changes and things like that i'm talking well, about the mindset thing. of kids who live in a leftist marxist anti-capitalist society today versus the society that they grew up in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s where people knew that you lived in a free country and maybe that was the problem they took it for granted we took it for granted it has to be drummed into our minds day in and day out that in order to have a free country you've got to fight for it every day absolutely robert and we do it every week here on this show, and we hope you'll join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Hey, look! Here comes rhinoceros! <laughs> We got her! Yeah! Ooh, them golden slippers! Ooh, them golden slippers! Lady! Don't you, Tommy, it's only a warthog! Yeah! <laughs> the fierce animals must be in some other part of the jungle! <clears throat> As a matter of fact, boys, I saw a wild tiger and a couple of lions way down the street past Margaret's house. Why don't you go check on it? Because that'd be dumb, Mr. Wilson. Oh, it would. Sure, that's the middle of the ocean. Oh. 